Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about subarachnoid hemorrhage. And you can follow along with written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash subarachnoid hemorrhage or in the neurology section of the Zero to Finals medicine book. So let's get straight into it. Subarachnoid hemorrhage involves bleeding into the subarachnoid space where the cerebral spinal fluid is located. And this is between the pia mater and the arachnoid membrane. And this is usually the result of a ruptured cerebral artery aneurysm. Subarachnoid hemorrhage has a very high mortality and morbidity. Therefore, it's very important not to miss the diagnosis and you need to have a low suspicion to trigger full investigations. It needs to be discussed with the neurosurgical unit with a view to doing surgical intervention. Let's talk about the presenting feature, which is typically something called a thunderclap headache. And the typical history is of a sudden onset occipital headache, so a sudden onset headache at the back of the head that occurs during some sort of strenuous activity, like lifting weights or having sexual intercourse. And this occurs so suddenly and severely, it's known as a thunderclap headache. It's described like being hit really hard at the back of your head unexpectedly. Other features are neck stiffness, photophobia, and neurological symptoms like visual changes, speech changes, weakness, seizures, and loss of consciousness. There's a few risk factors to be aware of. High blood pressure, smoking, excessive alcohol consumption, cocaine use, and a family history. It's also more common in black patients, female patients, and patients aged 45 to 70. There's particular associations it's worth being aware of for your exams, and these are cocaine use, sickle cell anemia, so patients with sickle cell anemia are more prone to having particularly subarachnoid hemorrhages, connective tissue disorders like Marfan syndrome or Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, because these make patients more prone to cerebral artery aneurysms, and neurofibromatosis. So what investigations would you do? Well, the first line investigation is a CT head, and you need to perform an immediate CT head if you suspect someone might have a subarachnoid hemorrhage. If there's blood in the subarachnoid space, you'll get something called hyperattenuation on a CT scan within that area of the brain. It's important to be aware that a CT head may be normal and it doesn't always exclude a subarachnoid hemorrhage. The next test to do if you suspect somebody has a subarachnoid hemorrhage is a lumbar puncture. And this is used to collect a sample of the cerebrospinal fluid if the CT head is negative. The CSF or the cerebrospinal fluid can then be tested for signs of a subarachnoid hemorrhage. And key things that you need to look for is the red cell count, which will be raised because there's red blood cells inside the cerebrospinal fluid from the bleeding vessel. If you have a traumatic lumbar puncture and there's a bit of blood that's got contaminated into the sample, there'll be raised red cells. But this red cell count will decrease as the number of samples are taken. So usually when you do a lumbar puncture, you'll label the order in which you took the bottles. And when they test those bottles, if the first bottle's got the highest red cell count, and then after that subsequent bottles have decreasing red cell counts, this is more suggestive of a traumatic lumbar puncture rather than a subarachnoid hemorrhage. 
The other thing to test for on the cerebrospinal fluid is xanthochromia, which is a yellow colour to the CSF, which is caused by bilirubin that's been released by the breaking down of red blood cells. This is a key thing to remember for your exams, is that when you do a lumbar puncture for a subarachnoid hemorrhage, you test for red cell count and xanthochromia. The next imaging modality is something called angiography, and this can be done by CT or MRI scan, and it can be used to look for the blood vessels and figure out the exact location and the source of the bleeding. So how do you manage a subarachnoid hemorrhage? Well, patients should be managed by a specialist neurosurgical unit. Patients who have reduced consciousness may require intubation and ventilation and admission to the intensive care unit. Patients will be given supportive care as part of a multidisciplinary team. Importantly, with good nursing, nutrition, physiotherapy and occupational therapy during the initial stages and during the prolonged recovery from a subarachnoid hemorrhage. Surgical intervention might be used to treat the aneurysms and the aim is to repair the vessel and prevent re-bleeding. And this can be done by coiling, which involves inserting a catheter into the arterial system, which is known as taking an endovascular approach, and placing platinum coils into the aneurysm and sealing it off from the artery. An alternative is to do clipping, which involves cranial surgery and putting clips on the aneurysm to seal it off. A medication called nimodipine, which is a calcium channel blocker, can be used to prevent vasospasm. Vasospasm is a common complication of a subarachnoid hemorrhage that can result in brain ischemia following a hemorrhage. And nimodipine is used to prevent vasospasm. If the pressure inside the subarachnoid space increases too much, which is a condition called hydrocephalus, A lumbar puncture or insertion of a shunt can be used to try to relieve some of that pressure. Anti-epileptic medications can also be used to treat seizures. So thanks for listening to this episode on subarachnoid hemorrhage. A big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing this podcast. It wouldn't be possible to maintain it without his hard work and reliability. If you found this podcast helpful and you want written notes on this topic and all the other podcast episode topics, head over to Amazon and pick up a copy of the Zero to Finals Medicine book. If you don't fancy picking up a copy of the book, don't worry, you can find everything completely free on the Zero to Finals website at zerodefinals.com where you'll find videos, illustrations and questions as well as all the notes. I hope you tune in for the next episode which will be on multiple sclerosis.